We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to KJ and Don Darrow on Boston Sports Original, WEEI. This is a huge deal. Monumental market calendars. This is going to be game-changing for the Patriots. I think it's an advantage for the Patriots, honestly. Every offensive coordinator that I've ever worked with and every defensive coordinator that I've ever gone up against, they have a stick. Something that you know, like this is a massive tendency that they're going to do. Well, when you're the Patriots and you don't have that, documented it gives you a slight advantage and if you know anything about Bill Belichick he's looking for every little advantage he can find whether it's in the rule book or how they do business now if you flash back to the last time the Patriots did not name an offensive coordinator on offense or defense it was 2010 and guess what they went 14 and 2 Second hour of KJ and Dondero on WEEI. Thank you so much for starting your Sunday with us. Remember, you can tell your smart speaker, hey, Alexa, play WEEI 93.7, and it brings you right here. Mark, good morning. That's Robert Griffith III saying, hey, what a great slide ahead by Bill Belichick by not having an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, and you've been one to say that you don't think they need one. I think, like, hey, this slide of hand is not going to get you any wins. Thank you for clearing that up. I any more wins. That was. I didn't know who we were listening to. Um... Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I think it's going to become a non-story once the season starts. I think that the Patriots will be the Patriots um, because of the talent that surrounds Mac Jones. I think that's what the story will be. Either a guy like Devontae Parker or some of the other guys around Mac Jones, and I'm talking pass catchers, step up and perform, and we're talking about how well they've performed and how pleasantly surprised we all are. Or there will be guys that are just brutal once again, John U. Smith or somebody like that. I'm not saying he's going to be brutal. Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar, something where they just are not performing once again. Nobody's really stepping up to alleviate that burden that you're feeling. And we're talking about that. I think it's going to be one of those two. I don't think we're going to be sitting here saying, well, you know, Jones and this and, the, and that looks good, except the play calling in the fourth quarter was just abysmal and they, it cost them the game. I don't think that that's going to happen. Well, not on the defensive side. I think at the end of the day, Bill has always been over – He's always been the overlord when it comes to the defense, for sure. Um, and when Robert Griffith gave that that you know that that stat that hey, when they didn't have an OC in 2010, well, you had Tom Brady, and that's pretty much your OC on the field, right? So that we're not talking about this being that situation. Uh, and this is why I think it's going to be an issue is because when you have a second year quarterback who's developing with players who are good to okay, there's no great there are no great players on offense, right? And if you're supposed to be the great one, 
who is going to help you get to that greatness on the field, right? If you use Matthew Stafford as an example, when he came into the league, he had Charles Johnson already on the roster. Calvin so, Johnson. Cal- Calvin Johnson, right? So you got Calvin Johnson. Right? So at least you know you have someone great there to work out what you need to learn. Now, for Stafford, it would eventually have to and him getting to the Rams to be able to really show what he's had, but he's always been good. You don't even have something that good, even half that good right now on this Patriots roster for Mac Jones to go to. And I know you may not buy into these too much, but I do like these Madden ratings when they come out because if if you're going to believe in analytics on something, it, I think football more so than baseball because you know your awareness and your speed and all that stuff, those things are true. It has Mac Jones as the 11th best quarterback in the AFC. The 11th best. And so if you're the 11th best quarterback in the AFC and you're the star of the team, make it make sense to me how they, they grow. Just make it make sense. You really just talk about Madden ratings. Yeah, you don't think that Mac Jones is a 78? Do Madden ratings take into account leadership? Do Madden ratings take into account holding guys accountable and making guys around you better? Do hey, Madden hey, ratings take into wait, account wait, wait. reading I, defenses? I just, I just said that Mac Jones is probably the star on the offense. And if he's the best one and the 11th best quarterback on the team, the, the receivers, who's going to make him better? Hunter Henry, that that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go the Lamar Jackson playbook. That's Let's what just I'm get saying. Five. We see Why don't we just get five tight ends here and throw it on nothing but them? We gotta see if guys around him step up. We, I just said that. I'm not worried about his Madden rating. Okay? Well, I'm just saying as the 11th best quarterback in the AFC, and he's the best player on this team. Who, wait, just out of who's rated higher than him in the AFC in Madden? Ten others. What How about that? It's like ten who? others. Like who? Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's ahead of him. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? Tannehill also has a, a, an incredible running game and a lights out defense. Tannehill. So, uh, don't, but, don't but my whole thing Madden is. Ratings on the well, show, but here's man. the thing the point that I'm making is Mac Jones is the star of this offense, and the star of the offense has no co star. There are no co stars. Some of them are just role players at yeah, best. Yes, no. You're going to wait for a breakout season on guys who. Had their chances to break out? You don't need to talk to me about this. I've been saying this the whole time. Go look. Again, it, it, it aligns with my baseball take when you t- when you look at how the league is trending. They're, every team that contended for a Super Bowl last year had a number one wide receiver. They, it was not even in quite Every team had a bona fide, certified number one wide receiver. I happen to think that until the Patriots find that guy, they're not going to be able to contend. So, okay. yes, I'm concerned that the weapons around him aren't enough. So, add on to that, you don't have an offensive coordinator, so you don't really know who calls the plays yet. You probably have an idea that it's probably Joe Judge. That's really Oz behind the curtain. It's just a matter of not announcing Joe Judge, so that way it wouldn't be the dragging of Joe Judge because we've seen how Joe Judge handled the dragging of him in New York. So, probably Joe Judge, who's probably doing some of the play calling, right, because his his lineage says that he's probably starting to do some of that. And I think that's probably Bill just hiding him, and I think the reason why you don't name a defensive coordinator is because you probably really want to name Steve Belichick, but pff, you know what happens when that happens. The narrative. So I, I think Bill's doing that to protect his staff, and I get that, but in terms of production, when it comes to play calling with a team that has a decent quarterback and an okay receiving core late in a game where you've got to come back from 10? <laughs> you want to now know what who's calling those plays and what went into the thought of why did you go for it here? Why did you why did you run this one? Who 
Bill's going to answer those questions? Well, we're eventually going to find out. You, Bill steps to the podium and he's going to answer questions about play calls you, you don't that think, made on offense. You don't think somebody's going to eventually find out who's calling the plays for the Patriots? Somebody's going to call the plays and we're going to find out. Yeah, so you think it's not a matter of no one will be named at all. You think it just hasn't been revealed yet? I don't understand what you're asking me. In other words, at some point, you say that it's gonna we're going to know who's calling the plays. Right? Yes. So there would be the de facto offensive coordinator, Correct. right? Correct. So do you think at some point we find out who the de facto offensive coordinator is and that's announced? Somebody's going to be standing there with the play sheet. Correct. People figured it out yesterday, or not, not yesterday, last year when Steve Belichick was standing there with the play sheet. Yeah, so somebody's going to be talking into a microphone. Mac Jones might say it. There's going to be somebody sitting next to Mac Jones when he comes off the field. That's like, true. He's going to get coached. Like, right. Somebody's so, going to do it. There's a lot of people around that team. Somebody will will find out who's calling the plays. So Bill Belichick when, might not announce it. So, but he'll be, so he'll be the one to answer it. He'll be the one that have to answer it. When there are questions about what's going on with the offense, you have to go to Bill. You can't talk to anybody else. Well, even if he was available to answer the questions, do they ever answer real questions? Well, I mean, Again, I, is, don't, I don't know what you're I mean, this is the burning me. question. Like, you, this is the burning question. What, what's like, the, look, I don't understand your burning look, question. Look, you have a team that is suspect at best when it comes to offense going into this season with the second-year quarterback who's shown promise, right? Fair. okay. Okay, if if things start looking bad where, like, someone calls a bad, there's bad play call, I'm sure people want some type of accountability because right. you're going to say, well, Bill, this is on you. And he might say, well, yeah, it's on me. But, well, you know that Bill's turned it over to somebody else. It's like last year at the end of the game with uh, with Buffalo when the defensive players were like, we tried everything. And as you said, you saw Steve Belichick with the play calling and play sheet in his hand. But nobody went after Steve Belichick because Bill is the de facto guy. Correct. So here's – okay. If, if that happens and the play calling, for whatever reason, does become a disaster and prevents the Patriots from winning games – the person that gets the blame will be Bill Belichick because then it'll become there was no reason on this earth that Joe Judge or Matt Patricia should have been calling the plays. So nobody's going to really blame them because they're not actually offensive coordinators. The, the blame will go squarely on Bill Belichick, and I think that's what he actually wants. We'll talk more Patriots here next. KJ and Dondero, 617-779-7937, text line 37937. What are your thoughts on there being no offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator name for the Patriots this year? Hang out. KJ and Dondero continue after Nick Trent's. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. KJ and Don Darrow on WEEI. WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. This is a team that is coming back to the pack, and I would go one further than than Marcus. I think that they have the worst roster from a talent acquisition standpoint than any team within the division. I think the Jets have more talent on that roster. I think you. I think the Miami Dolphins have more talent. And I don't need to mention the Buffalo Bills. We know that they may have one of mm. the most talented rosters in all of football. I look at another year with Bill Belichick not going to the postseason, and we're going to start really – you know, echoing and, and really, you know, wrapping up the rhetoric about maybe it was about 12 because I don't think that Bill Belichick will ever win another Super Bowl. I don't think he'll ever be in another Super Bowl. I don't think he'll ever go to another AFC championship. Strong words from ESPN's Bart Scott on the Patriots. It's KJ and Dondero, WEEI. Thank you for starting your Sunday with the fastest two hours in sports talk radio in America. I think that's a bit oversold there, Mark, that the Patriots have the, the well, maybe not so much, the worst talent roster in the AFC. Well, it comes East. down you to think, them and the Jets. Who who do you think has more talent? I, I, well, I, you, know, you just can't take talent, right, because everybody's talented. I say that the Patriots are a better team, and I can't. Well, that, you know, once you get into talent, yeah, if you're a really bad team every year, you've got some of the best talent coming out of college every year. Does not make you make you a better team? No, I get it, but. In terms of just straight-up talent, you could argue the Patriots do have the worst roster. You could argue that. I don't know if the Jets are – I mean, we'll have to wait and see how the Jets do. I'm going to tell you this, though. You know, you look at that Miami roster. Like, you better hope – if you're a Patriots fan, like I am, like, you better hope that two things happen. Number one, you better hope that Tua Tungavailoa is as inefficient as he appears to be early in his career, and that this Mike McDaniel doesn't unleash or unearth something within Tua Tungavailoa that allows him to be an even better quarterback, okay? And the other thing, you better hope Mike McDaniel sucks because I feel like that guy is either going to be, like, really good or a disaster. I don't see much of a middle ground for Mike so, McDaniel. So here's my answer to that. Nope and nope because people think that the way that Tyreek Hill can only beat you is getting by you. But if he gets you one-on-one coverage and you have to back off that coverage as a, as a corner, you can't, you can't go man-to-man, chest-to-chest with him. So you got to give him cushion. If, if Tua is able to get that ball out quick and it becomes a one-on-one, one-on-one and a half with a player having to come chase down Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill beats that first guy. doesn't matter whether Tua threw the ball in the air 60 yards or if Tyreek Hill runs it 60 yards. It's still going it, – the, the points count for the same. Yeah, look, more facts here. The Patriots have issues because Miami, specifically Tungavailoa, has had a good – he's had good performances against the Patriots. Say whatever yeah. you want against other teams, but against the Patriots, he's been good. Now you've got to deal with Hill. you got to deal with Waddle. you got to deal with Jacecki. you got to deal yep. with Raheem Mostert. you got to deal yep. with the guys they still – they're bringing back, what, all 11 starters on defense? Yep. If this guy can coach and knows what he's doing – you're going to have a big problem in Miami. Yeah, because their only issue in Miami was that their offense, right? Their offense right. was the thing that they just had to try and figure out and turn around. And I don't think they should have fired Brian Flores. So we'll, I, I'm a Flores guy. Yeah, We'll see if this guy can do it. If he can, that's going to be a, a big problem for you. Yeah, I think when you're talking about the Jets, 
with all the distractions that Zach Wilson's had in the offseason with his personal life. His mom. If he can, yeah, well, we well, his mom's friends. Mom's friends. Which, they understand, you know, there's something something attractive about women. They're like 10, 12 years old. It's just something about them. Like, they've lived a little about them. Anyway, but look, if he if he turns it over just a little bit, then you gonna you really should be concerned if you're the Patriots. If Zach Wilson gets it just a little bit. Because when you saw him last year, he seemed like he was completely clueless. Clueless. But then I was like, well, that's how Brett Favre looked. You know, uh, Peyton Manning had like uh, I think like twenty, like twenty-eight interceptions his first year. So like I would rather see the first year quarterback do poorly and get better than to do well and not get better. Right. So that that's the dangerous portion right there with the Patriots where Bart Scott could be a little bit right is where do you see growth on this team? Who grows out to be the superstar? And I would even use that term loosely in terms of Mac Jones becoming a superstar. I think a very serviceable guy. I think a very high quality, high intellect guy, maybe in the realm. You would want to see him get to that Joe Burrow level, but maybe in a competition to be Derek Carr minus the Derek Carr mistakes. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not buying in on Zach Wilson. I, I don't think he's that good. I, don't th- I think he's going to continue to make mistakes. He's got the big flashy arm. Uh, I'll need to see more of him before I buy in. I think Tua, although he's not as explosive a talent, I think he might get it a little bit more, and I think he's more dangerous from a Patriots perspective. But I'm going to tell you this. My biggest concern for the Patriots going into this season right now is their defense because there's a few reasons. Number one, I think they might lack playmakers, and I think that they are going to have – Matthew Judon? Well, here's the problem. I think that the defense – is going to lack some playmaking ability. Now, we'll see what happens in terms of some of the new guys. If anybody pops and really has a good year, whether it's a rookie, whether it's Kyle Duggar, I'll leave that door open. But the defense, I think, on its surface, doesn't have the playmakers that they're going to need, the dudes that they're going to need to really have a lot of success. And here's the other thing. Last year, the defense for large stretches looked really good. They were highly ranked with two of the best impact players at key positions in J.C. Jackson and Matt Judon, and it still ended up in a historic disaster come the end of the season when you needed that defense to play well and be at its best. It was at its worst. It was embarrassing. I I attribute that to age, right, because you have a lot. You have They were like the oldest secondary in the league. The linebackers last year were like fifth oldest. So as the season goes on, you know, you, you sometimes you just wear down. Yeah, you I guess do. that's fine. Yeah. But but based on everything, based on everything they went through last year, and how good they looked, and then how bad it looked, and the question marks surrounding the team and the roster defensively this year, you know, no real speed at middle linebacker. They didn't really fill those holes based on where we're sitting right now. We'll see what happens. That's a huge concern because. Even if they play well, you're going to wonder, can they keep it going? Is it real? Is this going to be something that's consistent if they can even play well? Because last year they played well for large stretches, and that wasn't even enough, not even close. This year we're wondering, can they even get to that level? So there is a lot of concern for me regarding that defense. You checking out KJ and Dondero and WEEI, 617-779-7937, talking about the Patriots. So I, I did last week. I was just looking like where do the Patriots fall in the AFC, and I'm thinking probably around 12th. So I don't think they're a playoff team, but I, I, I guess when it gets to the defense, here here would be my thoughts on how they look. I think they'll be able to be a very good bendable team that doesn't break, but that's oh, where it's going God. to be on the offense. Look, the offense is going to have to carry a little more weight this year, and I don't see them with that ability to do it. So. 
in terms of like getting sacks and strips and so forth like that and, and, and high levels of picks and turning balls over, I don't think you'll see that as much from the Patriots with this team. I think it's going to be, hey, this team is not really set up to really take a lot of gambles and get beat deep. So you don't want that to happen because that middle, as you kind of mentioned, is a bit kind of soft as we know it right now. So if you've got a bit of a soft middle, everything's going about keeping everything in front of you. So it, everything's just going to be a bend, don't break. And if the offense can't move the ball or is stagnant with it, then it's going to be really ugly-looking football where, hey, this defense is keeping points off the board, but the offense isn't putting points on it. And I just I just see that's how it's going to probably play out for the first four games of the year, at it's least. Gonna, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, when you look at the AFC, there, there aren't many teams that you can unequivocally conclude – the Patriots are better than Houston, definitely. Yeah. Um, you Jacksonville. Know, Jacksonville, probably, even though Trevor Jets. Lawrence, you don't know. Jets, Jets, yes. Yeah, you could say that right now. Um, Cleveland, I would say that right now. Mm, not with the running game and the defense they have. No, I'm going to say the Patriots are still better than Cleveland. Well, you know, the great thing is we'll be able to see that because, yeah. look, what happens if a, a Jacoby Brissett out? outperforms a Mac Jones in that game and Cleveland wins, what kind of statement does that make? Because everything is a week-to-week evaluation. And so you're only as good as the opponent you're against. And if you can't you can't take out like a Cleveland Browns team without Deshaun Watson, we don't still don't know what it probably probably here within the next week or so. We'll know how many games he'll get from the NFL in terms of suspension. But if you can't take that game, like that's why I say these first four games are going to be fascinating before you get to that Cleveland game in the sixth game. Where you got two of the first week, you've got Mitch Trubisky the second week, then you've got Lamar Jackson, and then Aaron Rodgers at Green Bay. So you're like, okay, if we're just talking about how the the middle linebacker area is soft, that plays right into Lamar Jackson's passing game. So, so th- Mitch Trubisky's passing game. Listen, if the, the three teams atop the AFC right now to start the season, I have is the Bills, the Chiefs, and probably the Chargers. Does that yeah. sound okay? The Patriots aren't going to be on their level. Those three teams, I feel like, will be on well, a Well, they're a couple level. of levels behind that. Okay. I, they're they're so, really the beginning of the end okay. in the AFC. So they're not going to be on those teams' level. And I'll even throw in there, I'll even throw in the Bengals. The Bengals are going to be one of the top teams in the AFC. Patriots aren't on their level. So I've got the Bengals, the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Bills. Those four. Right, as, as your top your top 25 percentile. Top four, top four of the AFC. The question will be, there are three teams that I want to know if the Patriots will be in this group or not. Can they be in the same group as the Colts, the Ravens, and the Broncos? No. So, okay, that's what we're going to find. If they're not in that group, then you've got – because then you're really far back. You really have a long way well, to I go. Just, I just said that they're, that the, they're, the top, they're the top of the bottom, right? So if they're 12, then you're talking about 12, 14, 15, 16. So they're in the bottom 25th percentile. So the Patriots are the best of the worst teams. That's where I see them as this year. Okay, the best of the worst teams. You're lo- you're further down on the Patriots than me. I think that if all things you know, if things go well, perfectly, they, they perfectly, could be. Right? They could be at least during a part of this season on the level of those teams I just mentioned: the Broncos, the Chiefs. Or check that: the Broncos, the Colts, and the Ravens. If things go well, that's their ceiling. If it is, I mean, or you can even throw the Dolphins into that, depending on how you feel about two. I put the Dolphins in the group just ahead of the Patriots. I put the Dolphins in the group with like 
the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Raiders, the Steelers would be at the, the bottom Titans. of that. What about the Titans? I put the Titans ahead of them because I think the Titans and Colts will be in some type of fight. So my next tier would be the Steelers, the Titans, and the Raiders. Are the Patriots in that tier? No, the Patriots are in the tier with them, the Jaguars, the Jets, and Houston. They're just that's, at the top of it. That's brutal. That's, that's they're low. at the top of it's it. Real low, man. Right, that's, and maybe I, I maybe the that. Browns are just above no, that. Maybe the that. Raiders just above that. But yeah, I mean, no. someone someone's got to start the end. You know what I mean? Like no, someone's got to start the beginning of the end. Uh, it's got, yeah, the, the, the Browns are the beginning of the end for me. Um, I just think there's too much chaos there. Maybe the Steelers, like they're those teams that are the beginning of the end. I don't know what you're going to get out of the quarterback for Pittsburgh. I'd like to think that the Patriots will be with the Raiders. Um, and with the Titans, like kind of in that ballpark, in like right, it may not be better than those teams, but they'll be right there with those teams for the majority of the season. I hope Santa answer, answers those prayers. Okay, I, so, I don't think it's that far fetched. So, uh, kind of switching gears here, talking about uh, this picture that appeared with Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, and Kanye West. <sighs> if there's anything that it says to me, I don't think it says anything about the Celtics. On the Kanye side, I think it's probably like the social justice side, but it does it makes you wonder what's the conversation between Jalen and Kyrie regarding the Celtics, and is that affecting Jalen's feelings about the Celtics? Do you think? Look, so here's what I think about Kyrie Irving. If you're asking me, do I want Jalen Brown around those guys? Obviously, the answer is no. But wait, wait a minute. I, I don't have a problem with if he's around Kanye West and they're both trying to do social justice things. That's perfectly fine. It's you could walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah, fine. The, the Kyrie Irving portion could. What if it's just a venting thing for Jalen Brown? Is that necessarily a bad thing? No, but it's not necessarily a good thing. I can agree. Like that if, if I, a, I just there is no. I don't see any reason why it would help the Boston Celtics for Jalen Brown to be hanging out with Kyrie Irving. Because you know that Kyrie Irving wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't, there'd be, uh, how am I supposed to say this? He'd be antagonistic potentially? Kyrie Irving would love to see, love to see Jalen Brown leave the Celtics. Not just because he can't stand Celtics fans and he thinks we're all racist, but he also plays for the Nets. And they just got swept by the Celtics. So it would benefit Kyrie Irving tenfold to see Jalen Brown go somewhere else. So why would that narrative that's clearly out there, why would I want Jalen Brown hanging around a guy that's trying to push that narrative? No. Well, the, because at the end of the day, and I've said this before, is that all, this NBA, the NBA, they're, they're all friends, and they all support each other one way or the other. You really never hear anyone say, I don't like that player or that I can't stand that player. They go at each other. You barely even see fights happen, right? So this is an NBA that's pretty much unified, so players are going to talk with players. Now, here's the thing with Kyrie and, and Jalen Brown. What could what could Kyrie tell Jalen Brown that Jalen Brown doesn't already know regarding the franchise, right? It would be one thing if Jalen Brown was thinking about going to the Celtics and Kyrie's talking to him. But Jalen Brown has been with this franchise longer than Kyrie was. So there are things that Jalen has seen that Kyrie Kyrie probably hasn't seen all of, right? I, I would be a little bit concerned, but I also would understand why Jalen Brown would do it, is if he feels like he has something to talk about regarding, and it's probably not even with management, right? Because now you're getting to tampering. He's probably having conversations of how to deal with the fans. Yeah. And if that's the case, 
you can't be mad at that because he's got to figure out what he's got to do. There's no reason for me to think that Jalen Brown talking to Kyrie Irving is going to benefit the Boston Celtics. And as a result, I don't want to see Jalen Brown talk to Kyrie Irving. Do you understand? But could could it benefit Jalen Brown if he needs to find out how to navigate uh, what he feels or perceives is his, you know, kind of wallowing in the water of the fan base? Talk to someone else. Talk to Paul Pierce. Talk to Kevin Garnett. Talk to Walter McCarty. Talk to anybody else that I want him talking but, to. But why, but why should we dictate who they talk to about what they have to deal with that doesn't have to do with dribbling the basketball, right? Because it has to do with what people are saying across social media. That would be my perspective of why there would be a Kyrie and Jalen Brown hanging out. Beyond them probably already being friends, but then being photographed with Kanye. So now you say, okay, I think it's tending to be more on the social issue side because that's what Kyrie talks about. That's what Kanye talks about. That's fine. That's that's what what Jalen talks about. That's fine if that's what it is. I hope that's what it is, and that's what they're doing because, you know, I I don't want – I just don't think it's going to help whatsoever. Because I want the Celtics and Jalen Brown to live happily ever after. I don't see that happening, you know, with Kyrie Irving sitting next to Jalen Brown. I think there's nothing good that Kyrie Irving is going to say that would – encourage Jalen Brown to stay here. And with that being said... Do you that- think he'd say something... Uh, okay, well, Kyrie, let's say the conversation about the Celtics, we can assume it's not good. But in terms of what Jalen Brown may be thinking about for himself, do you think Kyrie Irving would give him bad advice if Jalen wanted wanted advice from him? Like not bad advice? Not necessarily. I don't right. know. I, I yeah. don't know, but if he, look, if he... Why would... Kyrie Irving walked away from Boston. He left. If okay. that's the guy that Jalen Brown goes to for advice, that's not like that's maybe he's going to him because he's what he sort of feels like he wants to do what Kyrie Irving did, and that's a good guy to talk to. Like it just doesn't. I don't want to see that. It just doesn't add up. Where I feel like Jalen Brown is going to be here long term. And the other thing about that is when you sign with Kanye West, and Kanye West is a part of who's representing you. Kanye West, to me, now say whatever you want about him. He's not a sports figure. Uh, I think he's nuts. I think he's not a good guy. But he doesn't, that guy does not, to me, represent stability and settling down and putting down Wait, roots. Well, I someone think, would argue if you're, you're a certified billionaire, you've done something right. Oh, I didn't say he's not brilliant or yeah, he's not a good businessman. I'm just saying yeah. he doesn't represent stability and putting down roots to me he you know based on what i know about kanye west he'd probably tell you to like smell the air and go wherever the wind takes you or something like i want jalen brown long term in boston so well, i don't what, see what if he, what if that air he smells is mountain air and maybe this like you know what maybe i should call maybe i maybe i will listen to danny if he wants if he wants you know to bring me out there That's to be part I'm of the saying. team. I, just, so maybe that Kanye West air analogy may send him right to Utah. Well, that's See? I just don't view Kanye West as the you know somebody that would endorse, hey, it's worked out in Boston. You should settle down there. Especially you're talking about the social issues. We know what the rhetoric is around Boston and you know all the racism and stuff. Why would Kanye West endorse staying in Boston? I want Jalen Brown to stay in Boston and play for the Celtics. It yeah, doesn't feel a- like he would be in favor of that, and he would jump at the chance to help Jalen Brown move on to somewhere else. That's I th- the feeling I get when I think of Kanye West and Jalen Brown. I think we have to understand that there's a difference between what we want as a fan and what Jalen Brown may want as a man. 
right? And as Jalen Brown, the man, he's always going to be Jalen Brown, whether he's playing for the Celtics or for Utah or for whoever. Um, he's got to make decisions for himself, right? And so I'm not upset that he wants to do those things or explore those things. He may come back to the final answer is the best thing for him to do is to stay with the Celtics. Yeah. So in that regard, I would understand where he's saying, like maybe you would want him to talk to at least somebody, and he, maybe he has. Maybe he has talked to Garnett, right? Like what, you know, if you were in my shoes, what would you do, right? And so you, you just don't know. Yeah, I'm if, not if, if, if he wants, if he, again, like we, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, there may be a part of Jalen Brown because he knows he's one of the top 25 players in the NBA that he would want to be the leader of his own team. It's not anything against Jason Tatum. It's just like, hey, if there's one, another spot that I can go do this, then this is what I would want to do. And maybe you weigh your options talking to different people. What are the pros and cons? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. If he wants to go explore his options and, and fulfill his personal needs as a man, I'm not going to get in the way or stand or begrudge him for that. I'm just saying, I don't have to like what he's deciding or what he's investigating. Or you just don't like that he's talking, that you see him in a picture with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I, I potentially look, talking about I, it. I'm all for him deep down becoming the best man he can be, whatever. That's fine. Even though the entire but, team hugged uh, Kyrie Irving, what, a week, like two week, three weeks after he stomped on Lucky, like players still hugged him. Right, yeah, so that uh, doesn't bother me. I mean, like Jalen Brown, okay, can be the best man that he can be. Like I'm fine with that. He's not concerned with me being the best man that I can be. So I'm not like ultimately I don't really care. Like I wish him well, but I ultimately don't really care. Mm-hmm. I want him to play for the Celtics. That's as the fan what I care about. So hey, I wish him well. I hope everything works out and he fulfills the, the whatever his dreams are. I want him to play for the Celtics and so, stay away from Kyrie. Yeah. Let's stay because that's what I want. I want him to be here playing basketball for my team. I hope he fulfills all of his personal endeavors and he becomes the man he ultimately wanted to be. But I want him in the end playing for the Celtics because he doesn't really care whether or not I fulfill all my dreams and personal endeavors. So whatever. KJ and Don Darrow, WEEI, thank you so much for hanging out. The show wraps up next. You're listening to KJ and Don Darrow on Boston Sports Original, WEEI. Yeah. KJ and Dondero, W-E-E-I. Thank you for hanging out for like the last hour and 50 minutes. I told you two hours go fast, and if you missed any of it, the Odyssey app is free. Add it to your phone. Add W-E-E-I to your favorites, and then go to weekend shows. KJ and Dondero, you can play it back. All the screaming, yelling. There are no, there's no cursing in it, Thank you, thank, thankfully, Mark, because you can get amped pretty amped sometimes. Yeah, I try to keep it under control. This is your under control? Big day at Cooperstown today. Big poppy day. Is that for me? Now I talk? Yeah, that's called a setup. (laughs) Okay. Listen, (laughs) I'm just sitting here. So all year, this whole show uh, on the monitor here, they've been playing Nesson. Nesson, like, poppy highlights and everything. I'm just, it's, I I didn't want to be reminded of this, but it's inevitable, I guess, on a day like this. It's so, in a way, depressing to know that if you're of a certain age, and I'm not going to speak for everybody else, I'll speak for myself, it's it's never in terms of the Red Sox going to be as good as it was in 03 and 04. It just, it just never, ever will be. It was such a magical time to be a fan of that team, and the way Ortiz carried them, specifically as he goes into Cooperstown today, the way he carried them through those playoff runs and over the Yankees and the way they won that World Series – 
it just will never be as good. No matter what happens, no matter who's here, no matter what the rivalry becomes with the Yankees and Red Sox, it will never be as good as 2004. And David Ortiz is probably the biggest reason why the Red Sox transformed into the winners that they became yeah. from that lovable losers category that they had been in. Yeah, I think um, it's when I think of the Red Sox in terms of the press, the the precursor to what were the great years. I think of uh, when Manny Ramirez first came to the team and Carl Everett was still here. Pedro had been here for a couple of years. You know, at that time you felt like okay, they would always compete, but then there would be these other pieces. You never thought it would be David Ortiz. Because I I remember a little bit in Minnesota, but he was nothing more than what Sano is now for Minnesota, right? And so you're like, wow, how a guy who was literally go from nothing and become everything in just one transaction. Because look, he I mean, he cleared the waiver wire, right? So to know that to to be a waiver wire guy and then make it to the Hall of Fame is just I think it's it's it's, it's really unprecedented when you really think about it, right? It's yeah. And uh, I think it was brought up yesterday on the Nesson broadcast of the Red Sox game of how when you think about Tom Brady, a six-rounder, and a waiver wire, David Ortiz, pretty much set the culture not only for this town, but how sports is consumed around this country and how it's talked about, right? Sports talk wasn't really a thing until these two guys really show up here and it kind of spread in other places because the Red Sox were now the team you had to beat and the Patriots were the team you couldn't beat. And so you became like this villain where just a couple of years before, like you were considerably like just consistently losing. And so uh, it's a special day for for him as well. And congratulations to him, the fan base. And it's also a special day for me because someone I personally know is going into Cooperstown today. And that's the late Buck O'Neill. And uh, the Negro Leagues Museum is, is a must see if you love the game in Kansas City. And uh, salute to Bob Kendrick and the team there. Uh I used to talk to Buck about life things when I lived in Kansas City. And to know that his stories, I mean, just fascinating. Just if you don't know the story of Buck O'Neill, really check it out. He was he was Jackie Robinson's manager in the Negro Leagues before Jackie Robinson went to the uh to the Dodgers, first Negro Scout uh for the Cubs, um, discovered Ernie Banks, uh, signed uh, uh Lou Brock. And uh to see him go in today is kind of it's actually emotional for me. Because uh Buck is everything at baseball is, and it's good to see people now making their way to the Negro Leagues Museum. I remember when it was just a traveling, uh, just a traveling mm-hmm. exhibition, and now it's it, it's 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 in the same place with the uh, Jazz Museum, Jazz Preservation Museum as well. But my salute to to all of them at the Negro Leagues Museum. Well, thank um, you for sharing that. Yeah, I the the greatest picture that I own is my arm around Buck and our arm around the statue of Satchel Paige. You got to tweet that out today. I did. I did when it was announced. I have to go back okay. and find the picture of my phone because okay. you know, like being in my phone is not that important. But yeah. I, I, I'm looking for it now. Okay. Yeah. In terms of just going back to Ortiz, it, it, he, look, I don't know. I can't explain why he was. I'm not going to say irrelevant in Minnesota, but he wasn't the player in Minnesota that he was in Boston. But right. I, I definitely think, and we've always had this conversation about Derek Jeter, like what would, what his career would have looked like had he played in Kansas City or had he played in. You know, a team at Florida, a team that wasn't perennially in the playoffs or in the ALCS. Right. Ortiz, I just think, was a gamer. I think he enjoyed the. I mean, we want to talk about a guy that had the makeup to play here. I think he loved the pressure. I think he loved the spotlight. I think he loved the big stage and all the 
um, the the chatter that associated the Red Sox with w- losing, even because he was out to prove people wrong. And I think it was just a perfect marriage. And the Red Sox were put him on the stage that allowed him to show who he really was. And I think it just became, you know, a match made in heaven from there. And it was just an awesome thing to see. He is right. He should be mentioned in a lot of conversations with Tom Brady. Not all of them, but a lot of conversations with Tom Brady. Well, he was must-see TV. That That's what Poppy was, must-see TV when there was a situation. Like, if you were doing something else and someone said, hey, there are two men on, the Sox are down by three, and Poppy's up. Like, you're like, yeah. I'm turning on the TV. Right? Like, like turn to that. He was at so, his best when you needed him most. Like, the right. just, you can't say anything else. Right. Uh, you know, uh, here's a really good comp is Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson doesn't have the, the gaudiest of stats. But as a kid, when he came to bat in a pressure situation, you had to see what was going to occur. And that's what Poppy became for the Red Sox was you had to see what was going to occur. And you know what? And he's a great ambassador for baseball. That's right. He gives it life and so much. Uh, we appreciate everything he's going to get. He his helped flowers the culture today. of the Red Sox. You know, he helped them not just become a championship-level team and a clutch team that performed under pressure in the biggest games, but... He kept the clubhouse light. You know, people liked him. It was he made people happy. All those things that helped create the championship culture and chemistry within the clubhouse. He helped. It was just a complete total home run. Thank you so much for checking out KJ and Dondero at Mark Dondero on Twitter at KJ Carson, of course at W E E I. Thank you, Nick LePan, again for handling the boards and handling trending. We thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. Stay cool. Oh my gosh, it's horrible out there today. Been horrible. I thought you definitely were going to have a 98 degrees parody today, but no. Wow. If a bear falls, never mind. Have a great Sunday. (laughs) We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.